Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, music, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on TalkingAlternative.com. want to welcome everyone who is joining us via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank all the uh, viewers. We've got Dan T. Lawson, too, joining us via Periscope right now as a loyal uh, listener to the show. I want to thank our new sponsor. We have a new sponsor, Sam. It's very exciting. Um, our new sponsor, Secrets of the Sire, is brought to you by the fun new card game the whole family can enjoy, Fun Food Flip. Having that holiday get-together and looking for a way to entertain the kids, Fun Food Flip is the game for you. Each player gets dealt a hand of food cards and must come up with the most gross, most interesting, and most delicious combinations for each of the four courses. Just wait to see what your kids come up with. If you like apples to apples, you'll love Fun Food Flip. Go to funfoodflip.com and watch the video on their site right now to get a taste of the good times to come. Uh... Very big thank you to our new sponsor, Fun Food Flip. Love having sponsors. If you would like to become a sponsor or become a patron, go to michaeldolce.com. It'll take you right to our Patreon page. Uh, that's how we ended up getting our new sponsor as well. We have dedicated fans, Einar Peterson and Ashley. Hi, Kai. Our program director, Stephanie Dolce. Our executive producer, Steve Hovecki. Our EP, Brian Phillips, as well, too. And as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. I'm your host, Michael Dolce. Welcome to all who have joined us, again, via all our channels, which is TalkingAlternative.com, Secrets of the Sire Facebook, um, which is Facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, um, SecretsOfTheSire.com, and, of course, via Periscope, at Michael underscore Dolce. Uh, welcome Scott Fortier, who's joining us live, and uh, Brian Everham, who joins us every week as well, too, via the Facebook uh, channel as well, too. I'm hoping a spot of Premier Stark will make, uh, ah, and a spot of Premier Stark just joined. See, this is great. This is good. Uh, I like it. We got, we got, this, this is the fun, this is the fun hour, you know, we talk about fun stuff. Um, we've got a great uh, guest coming on today. Uh, his name is David Silva. Uh, he's a sculptor for, um, you know, NECA, the, the company NECA, NECA. Um, specializing in collectible action figures. He's worked for McFarlane Toys and Hasbro, and I got to talk to him about his recently funded Kickstarter because I'm just insanely jealous. Uh, just, you know, absolutely jealous. Scott Fortier, good evening. Good evening to you as well. Good evening to Chris Jack O'Donnell as well, joining as well too. Give a shout out to Brian, who we were talking to. Brian Phillips is one of our EPs. We have two EPs on our Patreon page, and they get an exclusive Google Hangout. Um, so we actually hang out with them in the studio, you know, virtually. So you guys could do it too for five bucks a month. It's a buck twenty-five a show. We do about four shows a month. Although this is November, we actually had five shows this month. So, uh, you know, good stuff there. Randy Hogan, good evening, sir. Ah, we love it. We love it. All right, so we're going to talk to David a little bit later in the show. Uh, he's going to talk about action figures and his uh, Kickstarter, which was really, really awesome. Beast of the Mesi uh, Mesozoic. Uh, Andre Tech, hello you. And uh, Oh, we have a quick question already, so we'll field questions because this is anything we want to do. Do you think Batman will make an appearance in the Arrowverse or Red Herring? Oh, Dan T. Lawson, that is a good question. Will Batman make an appearance? Now, we obviously have a new Superman. It's in the uh, Supergirl series. Um, but they did a really nice job of actually publicizing that. I don't think it will, and I think the reason it's not going to happen is they've got the Batman universe locked into Fox right now. Um, I think anything Batman-related is going to go into Gotham. I don't think they're going to spill over into the CW. I don't think it actually benefits uh, the studios and the networks to have that kind of crossover. They could do something, and, and it's excellent segue, uh, Dan T. Lawson, by the way, too. We're going to go over some Suicide Squad Easter eggs that have appeared um, that some people are talking to. Um, yeah, the reference was just a remark. I, 
they like to say it's a connected universe, so they, they are playing off the connected universe. I just don't think we're ever going to see an actual Batman show up in the Arrowverse. I just don't. It's my own opinion. I was absolutely correct on Deadpool being uh, a monster hit, so I know everything. Um, Hall of Justice on Flash. Uh, well, see, now you're, you're geeking out to a, to a Marvel guy here, too. So this is, uh, this is something that, uh, unfortunately... Uh, I, I'm not going to be, well, I mean, he's geeking out on the Flash universe and the Arrowverse. I know Sam watches those shows religiously, right. the, you know. They had a Justice Society on that, on the, uh, Legends. Yeah, but they, I mean, yeah, they, yeah, they do, but it's, uh, you know, again, know. actually seeing Batman, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be kind of surprised at that too. I would be very surprised, but hey, great segue again, because we're going to talk some Marvel stuff right now. Um, there's two new X-Men titles out. Well, not yet. Coming out in... Um, ah, so I'm a Marvel guy too, but it was awesome seeing it on Flash last night. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm with you. I'm with you. Anytime they look, Greg Berlanti is just spot on with whatever he does. Uh, right now, he's he just knows how to run a TV universe when it comes to this stuff. He's got it interconnected. Um, very Joss Whedon like. If you you know had the Buffy and Angel versus kind of connecting and you know things like that. So no question about that. But getting back to the main topic tonight, new X-Men titles. What does it mean for the future of the movies? Because this is actually a pretty big deal, right? So go to IGN.com. Um, and anybody, obviously, who is a patron, $2 or above, got the show outline. So they got uh, access to this about a full 45 minutes before we go to air. But uh, Marvel Comics recently teased the return of the X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, in the 90s. Um, this was Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, um, which is awesome. We actually have an awesome guest coming on next uh, next week, um, who wrote the definitive Chris Claremont, um, you know, memoir. I guess is the best way to say it, or biography, or whatever the case is about his time um, on X Men. But unfortunately, this news broke this week, so we can't talk about it with him. We will talk about it with him, but we're going to talk about it tonight. X Men Blue and X Men Gold uh, were the two different teams that were split off. So Jim Lee was in charge of X Men Blue, um, and had like. You know, Beast and Cyclops and Gambit, like all the cool guys were on that team. Wolverine was on that one. And then you had X-Men Gold. That was like Storm and Jean Grey and Wills Portacio and John Byrne wrote that one. Uh, we're talking about right when Chris Claremont actually, he didn't get fired, but he kind of got forced off the book that he was on for 18 years. Um, so it was split up. So Marvel's actually relaunching the X-Men books as X-Men Gold and X-Men Blue. Um, two team comic books using the colored code names from the 90s. Um, you're going to have, one is going to be led by Kitty Pride, who's going to be, who's right now is off with Guardians of the Galaxy, so she's coming back. Um, and the other is going to have the all new, all different X-Men that were introduced with Brian Michael Bendis, which is a real, real head scratcher. Uh, it was a good run, because Bendis is a good writer, but the concept is very weird. It's like the original five X-Men, you know, Cyclops, uh, Angel, Jean Grey, Iceman, uh, and Beast travel to the future and meet their, you know, future counterparts who then educate them, and then Iceman reveals he's gay. It's There's this whole thing. Yeah, it's like the future Iceman's like, hey, past Iceman, turns out you're gay. You never do it. Yeah, it's crazy, but that's not the central arc to the storyline. That being said, there is an Iceman series coming uh, next next year in, in conjunction with this, too. So, you know, they're definitely, they're definitely all about hyping that up as well, too. But, um, you know, it's neither here nor there. So a couple things right off the bat. First... It's great to see the X-Men back in the forefront again, and and they're actually showing uh, Randy Hogan, Psych, Gambit, Rogue, Jubilee, Psylocke, Beast, Wolverine was blue. Gene Storm, Archangel, Colossus, Iceman, Bishop was gold. Yes, correct. Much much more thorough than I was with my uh, description, but, uh, you know, I have been drinking, so 
No, that's, that's not an excuse. Uh, Spider Premier Stark. So is it a continuation when they came from the future in all white Magneto? Uh, yeah, actually, there it, it, it is going to continue along with that. That's from what I've read. Um, Mark Guggenheim is actually writing X Men Blue. Mark Guggenheim is has done stuff with Arrow. He's been in the TV universe. He's been in the movie front. He's done a lot of different things. So yes, it is going to continue some of that all new, all different X Men that Brian Michael Bendis introduced with the time hops and the time warps and stuff like that. Though I thought it was kind of funny because at one point I think uh, X Men Gold is it? I I could be wrong. I was reading though. It's going to be led by Magneto and the writer. Um, uh, and I'll bring up I'll bring up the writer in a second. He was like, "Yeah, I thought it'd be really neat to have Magneto leading them because you know what would these people think?" Oh no, it's X Men Blue. He's like, "Well, what, you know, what would these people think about um, you know Magneto leading the X Men? It's so crazy, right?" And be like, "No, they did that, dude. They did that like twenty years ago. Like, get it, you know, get into this. If Marvel is able to regain all of its movie properties, what story would you love to see?" So now. Another great segue into the question. What does this mean for the franchises? Um, first of all, you, you, you want to have Wolverine in all of them, right? Uh, at Musty19985 just joined and gave us a little heart. That's very nice. Um, you want to have Wolverine in the Avengers because he's been in Avengers. He's been basically cross out. We want real Wolverine, too. I mean, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to Old Man Logan. Like, I'm looking forward to the movie. Um, I like Old Man Logan in the, um, you know, what do you call, in the movie, like the, like, Civil War Two right now. I'm reading Civil War Two. It's kind of cool. He just had a cameo in this most recent issue, and that's pretty cool. Uh, it's a cool idea, but I want real Wolverine back, and I want Wolverine being like a, you know, the main. I don't know. It's like it's like it's weird not seeing this because Marvel has, and this is the thing. This is a real thing. The Marvel Fox feud. That's a real thing. Okay, uh, I have people that I know uh, on the inside, and they're like, yeah, we really can't hype up the X-Men right now because Fox owns the rights to it. We don't want to give them anything. You know, they shut down Fantastic Four. I mean, there is no Fantastic Four comic. The characters are still kind of sprung across, like Human Torch and Thing. I think they're doing stuff with Guardians of the Galaxy right now. Uh, Reed Richards has kind of disappeared. Uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. So there's no question about it. Marvel has made a legit effort to squash any X-Men properties. Uh, but... Now, all of a sudden, you know, look, there were rumors that Fox and, and Marvel kind of did a little um, uniting already. We talked about it in a previous show. Um, you can go to, uh, and Sherry Rodriguez, always enjoy your talks, Mike. Yes, right back at you. And a woo from Jack O'Donnell, because, you know, woo. Um, there were rumors Deadpool and Guardians collaborated um, in order to get Negasonic Teenage Warheads. In Deadpool, they had to agree to have, uh, I think it's the Living Planet in Guardians 2. Um, Dan T. Lawson says, let's hope no more Fantastic Four movies. Oh, Ego, the Living Pride. Yeah, you're right. See, this is good. This is what I like. This is, uh, Keep me honest, people, because there's, there's definitely a lot going on. And that's, a, you know, that's another thing, too, with the X-Men franchise now, uh, both movie and with, um, uh, what do you call, uh, the actual comics and stuff like that. Their continuity is such a mess right now. It's such a mess. Like, I couldn't tell you what's happening. Like, I could, I could give you an entire timeline uh, from the X-Men from maybe the Chris Claremont relaunch back in 1975 all the way up to maybe 2000, I want to say 2005, maybe 2005. So, and then after that, it just, it just all goes to hell at that point. I mean, there's just, there's just no, there's no, you know, keeping track of the timeline. It's just, it's just got awful. But anyway, getting back to it, um, that Marvel Fox feud was a real thing, um, but now it's kind of going away a little bit, you know? Now it's kind of going away, and we got Deadpool and Guardians collaborating, and then, you know, again, there was that Slash Film article, there was the, the podcast where the, where the one reporter was like, ah, Little Birdie told me they're working on something, you know, they're, they're working on something. 
no matter how minuscule it might be, you know, even even the um, you know even even the collaboration of Deadpool and Guardians. Yeah, Guardians. You know, uh, Dan T. Lawson said, you know, it's not going to be. You know, you're not going to see it in Guardians 2, the the ego, the living planet. You know, it's just, it's there for future use now. But even the fact that they're just talking and they're kind of doing this, and now all of a sudden Marvel's like, no, we're going to bring X-Men back. Because they've been pushing Inhumans, and that's the big thing, right? Inhumans are essentially, I, I mean, I could picture, I can picture the, 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 the meeting, right? With, with some of the TV guys or the movie guys or Kevin, you know, Kevin Feige or whatever. You know, so what's the difference between humans and mutants? Uh, mutants are born with the gene. And what do inhumans do? Well, they get activated by, they have the genes in them, but then they get activated by this mist. And it's like, so they're basically the same thing, right? So we could just be pushing inhumans this entire time. Uh, so when we come back, I actually this really great article from comicbook.com talking about how inhumans are actually a pale comparison to the X-Men. And uh, we're going to dive in deeper and appreciate everyone staying on the lines here. we got a lot of people on. And then a little bit later, we're going to have David Silva uh, from NECA joining us as well, too. So be back very quickly after this commercial break. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And, and welcome, welcome to, to 21st, 21st Century Entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun for you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business and your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, TalkingAlternative.com. I want to give a shout-out to Marcus Perry, who just joined, a good friend of mine. We're going to get him on the show at some point. Uh, he's doing some really outstanding stuff. I think he just he spent his birthday with, uh, you know, Scarlett Johansson, you know, doing a little filming out there in uh, Tokyo for Ghost in the Shell. You know, we're going to get him on here at some at some point. Uh, shout-out to Fique Leone. Yes, we have to give a shout-out to Fique Leone because he's our, he's our resident troll um, I did not die in a horrible house fire yet, but uh, but we love you. We love we love we uh, you know what? Well, Dante Lawson gets yeah, and a spot of Premier Stark. They you know, let's let's give them some love. I don't want to encourage everyone to just troll me mercilessly, so I'll give them shout outs on the air. Um, no, it's good to have everyone here. Uh, we're talking X Men right now, and uh, we were talking about the possibilities when X-Men coming back now. Um, Marvel is actually, I mean, it's like little things, right? I mean, they're actually, there's this whole resurrection thing going on. Um, you know, there's definitely like, you know, a shift now. Now, it, it's kind of funny too because they mentioned, you know, last week we talked about it or the week before we talked about it, you know, Inhumans is getting its own film. 
you know, it's getting its own IMAX movie and then it's getting its own TV series. So it's not like they're letting up on the humans. Maybe they're maybe, but at the same time, that that thaw is happening between Marvel and Fox. Like it's little things like this. It's little things where all of a sudden they're you know promoting things and and creating new comics. But uh, great article, comicbook.com. Inhumans are a pale comparison to the X-Men. They just are. Um, that's what the article was all about. The Inhumans are more like Marvel's versions of the Adams family. They're eccentric and weird, but don't quite fit in. Uh, and they didn't have to find, you know, find each other. They were born into a family uh, with established traditions and rites of passage who were mostly content to live apart from other, compared to mutants who are forced into the public eye and burdened with, a, uh, with building a culture of their own. Now, Here's what I would say about the mutants versus inhumans. Essentially, yeah, I guess you could boil it down. They are kind of the same um, in terms of the powers. But, you know, the whole struggle with X-Men is, you know, these are people that are feared. It's supposed to be this whole allegory for racism and xenophobia, which is not relevant at all today at all. Right. There's no there's nothing in society today that would be anything relevant to that at all. Um, but <laughs> so yeah, don't, don't go on your Twitter or Facebook account these days. So that's, that's, that's my, that's, you know, unless you want to get trolled by Nick Spencer, like I did now. Uh, you know, <laughs> so, um, but for some reason, the Inhumans just were never as cool as the X-Men and, and this never will be like, they were Marvel's like little secret. They were, they were there. Um, so I'm okay with them. I'm okay with them going away. I'm okay with X-Men. X-Men were always... I mean, they were my favorite comic book back in the day. So if this means we're going to get better movies, Dan T. Lawson actually chimed in and asked, can you imagine the budget on the crossover between an X-Men and an Avengers film? I mean, that'd be massive. It would be, but it would be worth it, right? I mean, it would be so worth it. And look, you know, Fox has every reason to do this, right? Deadpool obviously was a success for them. I don't think Deadpool 2 is going to be as successful. Uh, I, I think it's, they caught lightning in a bottle. I think it's going to be very difficult to replicate, which just guaranteed them, like, you know, like a, like a $1 billion box office. I just guaranteed them by saying that. Um, but, I mean, look at Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is doing crazy money right now. Crazy money overseas. Uh, you know, the Marvel ship knows how to do it. Marvel Studios knows how to make sure that fans are not tired of seeing what... Uh, what they're producing. You know, if they made the same Avengers movie over and over again, which is why Captain America was a little bit, you know, the more and more you get into Civil War, it was essentially another Avengers movie. There's a there's a fear of oversaturation. I mean, look at the NFL. You know, just ask the NFL right now what oversaturating the market with different, you know, with, with four different nights of football has done to their ratings. Their ratings have gone down. Marvel is smart enough to realize this. They're creating something different with Doctor Strange. They're doing something different every single time. Um... The, you know, Dante Lawson says, Strange was a niche comic. I'm glad to see it getting big. But you know what? It's getting big because the film was done as not a comic book film. That's why it was, that's why it was done well. That's why Deadpool actually made it. It was making fun of comic book films. You know, it's, it's something that kind of gives you this, this uh, different, you know, point of view that you might not get in a normal comic book film. Whereas you have something like X-Men Apocalypse. To be honest with you, I still haven't seen that damn thing. I'll see it. You know, it's going to be on cable. I'm going to watch it on HBO. But that's my level of excitement, and that's my level of enthusiasm for X-Men films right now. And I think, in general, uh, you know, while the first two films, you know, from First Class did very well, and Days of Futures Past did well, I mean, I think Marvel's done a good enough job, at least within the within the internal fan base, to kind of quell the excitement over X-Men. Would I have been more excited for Days of Futures Past and X-Men Apocalypse ten years ago? Absolutely. Absolutely, but this is what they've done now. They've managed to quell everyone's kind of enthusiasm for X-Men. So now seeing, now it's about a Primera Stark, in that case, wouldn't Inhumans be ideal if plot is right? It would, but that's, 
you know, so this is this is an interesting thing, right? So Spotted Premier Stark brings up a really good point, right? If they've been pushing in humans for so long, why do this now with X-Men? Well, okay, it's actually not that hard a question to answer. It's going to give you more money. There's just It's just going to give you more money. Mo money, mo money. That's essentially what it's going to do. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, I guess it's, you know, do you cut off your nose to spite your face kind of thing? And that's what they've been doing. They've been doing that this entire time with Fantastic Four. They've been doing it with, well, I mean, again, they don't own the rights. They don't control the story. They don't, they don't, I mean, think about. So Sam is saying, I don't know how, if you can hear, you say you got to talk in the mic, Sam. I mean, do you do radio? Come on. <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, it, yes, it would benefit them. Um However, I don't think it's going to benefit them to the point where uh, having total control would benefit them even more. I mean, if you can control the message, I mean, we're just talking about basic business now, right? I mean, forget, forget all the fanboy stuff. I mean, we're, we're like drooling over the possibilities of an, an X-Men, you know, being entered into the Marvel Universe. Just like we can't wait. I mean, I can't wait for Spider-Man next year. You know, now that he's in the universe, like how great is that going to be? It's going to be amazing. Um, you're going to have... Just pull away, though. Think about it from business, from a business standpoint. Control the message. Control the branding. Control everything. You know, maybe they're looking at what Fox is doing with X-Men saying, you know, you're diluting our brand. You're actually hurting us. You're putting a movie into the, into the, into the public, you know, consumption that is not going to help what we're trying to do. And we're trying to move forward into this, into this grand direction. Uh, so... You know, maybe they just see it as as as, as it's time to, to rein it in, and maybe this is the perfect time, and maybe Fox sees it's the perfect time, which I think they should. I think they would, um, and I think that we're kind of gearing up now. I mean, look, it's it's no coincidence that this is Inhumans versus X Men. That's their big event in the comic books coming up in the spring. Uh, I mean, maybe they're just you know they're they're bringing mutants back. You know, when Scarlet Witch. You know, said no more mutants uh, ten years ago in the uh, in the secret. You know, it wasn't it was a secret, whatever it was. Um, Marvel is telling Fox they're not cool enough to sit at their lunch table. No, I don't think they are. I think I think those talks have kind of led to this. I think that's what it is. You know, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have this kind of stuff if that thawing wasn't taking place. I don't think it's I don't think it's a um, you know a glove slap in the face of Fox being like, hey, step up to the big boys table. I think it's like. Why don't you back in the universe? Yeah, we kind of want you to help us out a little bit. Yeah, okay, okay, great. X-Men, X-Men, we're back. Look at that. I, I think that's how it goes. I think that's exactly the way it goes. All right, when we come back, we're going to have a really great guest on next. I'm very excited to talk to this guy. Uh, one of my biggest... I, I, yeah, no, it's going to be great. David Silva, sculptor for NECA, coming up next. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
Welcome back, Secrets of the Sire. We do this every week on TalkingAlternative.com. We talk comics, movies, TV, pop culture. I uh, want to remind our listeners out there, I've actually got a new book out in stores today. It's uh, Grim Tales of Terror, Holiday 2016 edition, so go check it out. i got a little eight-pager in there. That's a cute little Tales from the Crypt-esque uh, kind of thing about a little kid who is searching for his Christmas gifts. See, he... Plays hooky to search for his Christmas gifts, and uh, what he discovers is something about his parents he did not want to find. So it's a it's a cool little horror tale. Uh, Zenoscope is the publisher. We've had them on a couple times. Really great. So uh, go check it out. It's in stores. Uh, you can go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Put a link to it uh, earlier today as well, too. Um, and I want to thank, again, our new sponsor, Fun Flip Food. So go to funflipfood.com. Check out this really cool card game. It's an apples-to-apples kind of game. It's actually better than that, though. It's it's combines food and thinking, and it's great for the holidays. So go ahead and, and check them out as well. All right. I want to welcome our next guest. His name is David Silva. He's a sculptor for NECA, specializing in collectible action figures. Uh, he's worked at McFarlane and Hasbro and has recently funded his successful Kickstarter project, Beasts of the Mesozoic. David, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you on. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be on. So talk to me about your background because... Um, I, I love I love figuring out you know what path did you guys take uh, to get where you're going. Uh, we had a um, a sculptor on his name is Enrico Bada. We had him on a few uh, weeks ago, um, and he's done some stuff at McFarlane Toys. But I just I love hearing the journey uh, just as much as the destination. So give us give us the background and, and how you got into all this. Um, well, when I was a kid, I was really into comics, and um, I decided I wanted to draw comics for a living. And I found a school in Savannah that uh, you could get a, a degree in sequential art. Mm-hmm. And that's like the right place to go. And that's what I did. So I, you know, I was uh, planning on drawing comics and taking all the classes. And um, eventually I realized that it wasn't the comics that I wanted to do. It was a, the concept design. Okay. And um, that hearing... During my education towards concept design, I also took uh, an illustration major. Mm-hmm. I had a double major, and and with that, I put together a portfolio for design and pitched that around some of the toy companies. Um, and luckily, McFarland was looking for a designer a few weeks after I left uh, college. After I finished. And they gave me a shot, and they liked it. So I've been working in the toy industry ever since. When you say you pitched it to the toy companies, I mean, was it like did they post like a job offering at like Monster dot com? Like how do you how do you no. get into the you know how do you get into pitch these toy companies? You know, it was like a, it was a I just I just happened to have my portfolio in front of them at the right time. I I had no clue who was hiring. Um, I I sent out I must have sent out something like. 12 portfolios, and McFarlane was a place I really wanted to work. The other mm-hmm. ones would have been um, I was a big fan of what they were doing, and it was, it was crazy to think that I even had a shot. Yeah. They got back to me uh, just three weeks after I graduated. Um, you know, I was like, wow, yeah, <laughs> send me some work. And and uh, I, I did design work for them about a year and a half freelance and then they lost some sculptors and I just happened to move up to New Jersey 
and they they said, "Can you sculpt? We have we lost some sculptors." I was like, "Okay," <laughs> and uh, uh, the rest is history. Now I sculpt more than I design. That's one of the very few stories I've ever heard where moving to New Jersey was a good thing, like a, like a positive actually came out of that. <laughs> um, so you've worked for McFarland Toys uh, for NECA. Uh, what's your favorite you know job been so far to date? Um. You mean like what company or what project? Probably project. I mean, you know, I'm sure the companies, you know, have nuances and, and different things. But what, like, what, what project to date is like your favorite? I, I'd have to say the Pacific Rim Otachi. I, um, I, I actually, did, I, I did a whole design drawing for that over my Christmas break one year, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to do it so bad. Up to that point, we hadn't done much with Pacific Rim. And I was uh, not trying to piece it out and give Boss Randy an idea of what it would look like. And uh, eventually we got to it, and I was I was really into it, and uh, I, I really was happy with the way it turned out. So awesome! That was, yeah, that that was a lot of fun for me, and I, I still enjoy having those figures around. That's got to be fun too. I mean, your workshop must just be you know littered with your creations all around you, right? Yeah, mine and everyone else's. Yeah, anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I stumbled across this article from May of 2015 while doing some research uh, for your appearance on the show. Uh, And the the article is titled, David Silva Saved NECA's Godzilla. Uh, And it Uh, said, NECA was going to release the Godzilla 84 on the left. They actually showed pictures of it on the article. And he said, I can't even begin to... I can't even begin how wrong this figure looks. What is worse is that NECA originally saw nothing wrong with it. Uh, so who or what made NECA change the head completely? David Silva, that's who. The hero that saved this toy. Silva is the one you and I should thank for the new head sculpt that is on our NECA 84 today. How does that feel? That, yeah, that, it's cool. I'm, um, I, like, I, I wouldn't make a big deal about that myself because I feel like Everybody here, we, we we make mistakes. Everybody's going to make a mistake sooner or later, and that one that one got out of hand. And um, I was I, I'm always paying attention to the, a lot of the comments, like the fan comments. I'm a fan myself, so I, I'm on a lot of the same stuff the fans are. Yeah. And, um, and they were they weren't just griping; they were posting legitimate arguments and comparisons. And and I I had talked to Randy about it. I said. We should probably do something about this. And, <laughs> um, he said, "Hey, it's already cold." And I'd say, "Well, can we at least change the head?" And he's like, "Well, how fast can you do it?" And it's like, like two days. So that's wow. what happened. And um, and I just yeah, and by designing the head a certain way, it was able to shorten the neck by hiding part of the neck inside the head, and then making the head new. So it was just. It was, I, I really wanted to see the Godzilla line keep going strong, and I felt like since that was so early of a release, it could have hurt the line. Yeah. So it was really important to to get a nice figure out. So. See, um, that, that that's I, re- oh sorry. Again, I, I take no pleasure in 
anybody making a mistake. I, I, I've done it. Everyone's done it. That one just became a big deal somehow. So. No, but that's, you know, it sounds like your passion actually kind of kind of came through, though. And that's, you know, I think yeah. I think every fan would, would be appreciative of that. And, and obviously there's going to be egos that are going to be hurt or, or feelings that could be hurt. But it, ultimately, you know, your intentions were, you know, I, I love this toy and I don't want to see it, you know. So, I mean, it sounds like it was a positive thing, really. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, it actually turned out pretty well, and um, I, I think that it also showed the fans that we are paying attention. We mm-hmm. we do want to put out the best product we can, and you know, and we you know we, we do listen. So, in, in the end, it was a good thing that happened. Yeah, but it's not efficient. <laughs> so um, hopefully it doesn't happen too often. You don't want to be doing any two day uh, turnaround, uh, you know, last ditch effort fixes, right? No, I, I, I prefer to avoid that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Talk to me about your Kickstarter. Uh, you, first of all, it's for um, the, the, the thing was beasts of the Mesozoic, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Some dinosaur, um, you know, custom figures that you created. Uh, you asked for, or you were you were looking for one hundred and twenty-five thousand, and you got mm-hmm. three hundred and seventy-five thousand. Are you rolling around in the money? Is is your studio just covered in, in money right now? <laughs> it's so funny. Like now, the guys at work, every, every time I bring up wanting to buy a hot toys figure or something like that, they say, oh, you just made a bunch of money. Just buy whatever you want now. <laughs> I'm, I'm like. It's not. It's in a separate account. I'm not touching that money unless it goes towards the project. It's 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 a weird thing having that kind of money, but knowing that I still need to live the way I normally live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I don't have all my expenses in yet, and my estimates. I'm I'm gonna get those soon, so sure. I gotta save all that money for that, and most likely, uh, almost all of it's gonna go towards that, if not all of it, and. It's very expensive to do these toys, and I there were so many stretch goals that were met. So yeah. now I have, like, I think I have 25 SKUs altogether, mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking, it looks like a lot of money, but I hope I have enough. <laughs> 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 but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, it's my first time doing this on my own, and um, it's been a great learning experience. Um, it, it'll give me a a good idea of how to do it better next time as well. So the um, irony all of this, the irony is if if you just outsource the work to China. See that would be <laughs> you know, just you know, hey this is really great. I got this money. I'm just I'm gonna outsource it to China. <laughs> well, the, the the mass production's gonna be done there, but I mean I um I still have to figure out what all the expenses are gonna be for that. And uh you know that's that's all new to me. So I'm just kinda you know taking it one step at a time but it's it's definitely exciting and i'm glad i'm doing it and i I can't believe the response i i was very concerned that i would only make three figures i mean i actually i wasn't sure if i'd get the two the the main three Mm -hmm. um we hit the goal uh i don't know like two weeks in i think and i was thinking oh no i don't keep the momentum going i reach the goal and and so I had to had to scramble to come up with some more ideas and did some drawings. And um, luckily, uh, one of the artists that I've worked with for the package art, Jonathan Quo, did some incredible art. And mm-hmm. um, he he was able to get all of the package art done before the Kickstarter ended. So I oh nice, I could still show people 
what the Raptors would look like, even though I didn't have actual prototypes made yet. And I think that really helped too. So it was, it, it's definitely just been like one thing leading to the next. I've been figuring things out sometimes like up to the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely been quite a journey and, and, not even halfway there yet. So it's, it's funny. I've I've done because uh, I do comics and stuff like that. So I've actually done two successful Kickstarters also. And I actually have friends who did Kickstarters who actually their Kickstarter was way more successful than mine. But you know mine was funded also. But I agree with you. I ended up when when I ended up totaling up all the costs for everything, especially then you know contracting for like extra prints or sketches or this or that and the shipping and the and all that stuff. I'm sitting there like my wife is like, hey, you made some money off this. And then I was like, no, here's my expenses. She's like, oh, you lost some money on this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to know, especially your first time out. It's hard to know exactly how much everything is going to cost. Yeah, and you, know, and you don't want to ask. You know, you you don't you don't want to over ask either. Like you might know that it's going to cost you, you know, ten thousand to do something, but you might not exactly. feel confident you're going to get the ten thousand. So you might say, all right, well, I'll do five thousand. So this way, at least I'll get funded. And then you know, so yeah. it, it becomes a, a juggling act there. Yeah, yeah, because. You want the price to seem achievable so that people will, will get behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to scare them off. And action figures just in general are so expensive. I mean, you really do need to have a good bit of money for something like that. Yeah. That, that's why it's companies that do it, mm-hmm. not individuals usually. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, the expenses, <laughs> they'll, they'll get you. But that's why it has to be about the passion. It has to be about just wanting to see it happen. And that's that's where I'm at with it. Like I would, if I had to, I would take a loan out and pay for any additional expenses just to get it done. I, sure. I, I hope I won't need to do that, but I I really don't know at this point. So. So, um, ja- so Jack O'Donnell just tweeted in. Uh, just checked out his Kickstarter. Those figures are amazing. Talk to us about the figures and talk to us about you know exactly. We've been talking about the the financial aspect to a Kickstarter, but talk to me about the actual project itself. Um, the, the project itself came about um, because throughout my time in the toy industry, this concept has arrived in different ways, in different forms, and it's reached different levels of of uh, completion. But for whatever reason, it would always get pushed to the side or canceled. And um, eventually I just got to the point where I was like, well, I mean, I have resources to make this happen on my own as long as I could find the money. So that, that's what I did. And, I, you know, I, I just I felt like it's really the only way it's going to happen because um, the dinosaur toys that are out there, they're, they're not that impressive, mm-hmm. in, in my opinion. I mean, there's some good sculpting, but they're not articulated. And even those, a lot of times, are not very accurate. So um, I felt like there is a big market uh potentially for high-end dinosaurs and just animals in general really mm-hmm. you, you don't you don't get that with animal action figures you get you get that with human action figures sure. all the time and that's always getting bigger and bigger robots or whatever and i love all that stuff but we don't get that for animals and uh yeah. dinosaurs specifically i think people are really into especially nowadays um and I have a huge love for that. I've been doing model kits based on dinosaurs for the last six years. And I felt like I had everything I needed to make this happen. Uh, so felt like 
oh, why not give it a shot? And yeah. Velociraptor was a great place to start. And did some research, and I found that there were quite a few different figures I could make off of Velociraptor body. Is there's a lot of similar animals like that. So, um, long story short, I wanted to see it happen, and I knew there were people out there who felt the same way. So, Favorite dinosaur? I, I'm, I'm going to say it, and you're not going to know what it is, probably. <laughs> um, Acrocanthosaurus. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, wait, it's that one. It's, it's the one with the scales and the, and the, and the eyes. <laughs> it's got teeth and some claws. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. We should look it up. Um, not something I'm going to get to anytime soon, but I have done two model kits. So. Hockey Girl Thirty just said Velociraptor is her favorite. So clearly, you got to connect her with the with the with the. Uh, um, and then oh, and then it came from the radio. Just said Godzilla is their favorite dinosaur. See, it's all connecting back to the stuff you do. <laughs> yeah, I love all of it. I'm I'm happy. I'm 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 very fortunate to be able to spend my time making these things, and I I'm just I just love all of it. So I'm just gonna keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. <laughs> That's awesome. So here we go now. Uh, what's next for you? Um, are you are you still doing stuff for for NECA? Or are you are you now you just focusing completely on the uh, the beasts of the Mesozoic? No, 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 no. I, I I love making things, and I love working at NECA, and I love doing my own thing at home and whenever I can. So as long as I can keep doing those two things, I'll keep doing those two things. And they NECA. Is, I look forward to coming to work every single day. Mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm I'm sitting in the parking lot of NECA right now that I'm talking to because <laughs> I just left work. Oh wow! And, and uh, you know the the projects here are awesome. The people are awesome. I, I'd be stupid to to leave. So um, as long as I can do both, I'm I'm all for it. And I feel like I can because there's 24 hours in a day. I only need to sleep five or six hours, so it's not a big deal. Everyone everyone, everyone hates you. You're, you're like enjoying life and you're happy and fulfilled. Get off my show. What are you doing? No, I'm kidding. Uh, we <laughs> we want to thank you, David Silva. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, you can find him on his Kickstarter page, Beast the Mesozoic, Facebook page, Creative Beast Studio, Instagram, Creative Beast Studio, website, creative-beast.com, uh, Twitter, at Beast, under, uh, no, wait, at Beast Undersore Sculpt Kit. That was a tougher one. So you, you changed it up on me with your with your uh, yeah. with your Twitter there. Yeah. <laughs> David, thank you so much. If, uh, is there anything else that you'd like people to know about you before uh, we uh, we cut the commercial? No, that that covers that covers it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. All right. When we come back, we're gonna dive. We're gonna go spinning the racks, talking about the latest news in the comic book world. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. 
talkingalternative.com. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. I want to thank our guest, David Silva, again from NECA. Uh, he's doing just some awesome things, uh, we joke. Um, at Hockey Girl asked, do, well, actually, we had someone else ask, do I live in Manhattan? No. Um, at Hockey Girl 30 said, upstate Long Island or one of the boroughs in New Jersey. Well, we're broadcasting out of Manhattan. We're on the Upper West Side. Uh, come take a trip down here at some point. I think one of my Kickstarters I did, we actually had that as one of the rewards. You would, I would literally fly you out here, um, but we never got that going. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, we do this every week. We talk comics, movies, TV, pop culture. Randy Hogan been enjoying the show, good sir. Got a jet for now. Try to catch you next week. You'll do more than try, sir. You'll make it. Hockey Girl 30, we do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, I know, she's 60 miles north of Manhattan, so see, she's, she's local as well, too, so it's good stuff. But yeah, we've been talking about a lot of things today. We talked about X-Men, um, X-Men Blue and Gold, and what that means for the future of the movie franchises. Um, at Rez... Uh, boy, R-E-Z-Z-I-O-U-I, Rezu, in February, I will visit Manhattan. Well, good luck. Have Coming in February, though, that's a terrible time to come. But, I mean, it'll be cold, you know. I mean, it'll be, it's awesome to come. But And we welcome Espada Premier Stark back. See, Espada Premier Stark has it down pat on the Periscope show, though. He ducks out for the commercials, and then he, got, and then he comes right back in. So just completely, that's, that's the way to go. Um, all right, we're going to do a little bit of a spinning the racks, and then we're going to kind of go full circle a little bit to uh, talk more about the X-Men stuff, because Sam actually made a really good point off the air. And, um, and actually, you know, before we spin the racks, and no, I do not speak French, but my wife speaks French, um, Sam had a good point, though, too. Uh, the irony to this Marvel-Fox, you know, feud thawing and this and that, and we were talking about the, you know, we're talking about the fact that X-Men are now back. Um, they're doing a whole X-Men push at Marvel Comics, and she's definitely, you know, it's definitely a um, a good thing, right? It's, it means that there's a thawing going on in this relationship, and maybe, just maybe, we'll get some of that crossover that Sony's kind of been involved with, with Spider-Man now, and having Spider-Man in the Marvel Universe. Maybe we'll get a Wolverine in the Marvel Universe. Maybe we'll get Deadpool in the Marvel Universe. Maybe we'll get, you know, basically unifying the characters that in the comic books get to basically do whatever they want, right? I mean, they get to bounce around. Um, I mean, Human Torch and Thing are in Guardians of the Galaxy right now. Wolverine's been in the Avengers a million times, and, you know, Beast is in the Avengers. You get to do all these fun things that you can't do in the movies because the franchises are owned by different licenses that being said though sam actually had a great point though back in 2000 the reason marvel's in this predicament is they were bankrupt they went bankrupt in 2000 um the licensing deals to fox actually helped rejigger their entire company uh and get them back to where they're now you know exactly who they are they're marvel comics now um selling the licenses actually saved them and not only that though but the x-men movie kind of started the whole 
comic book movies can be successful. And then you had the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in 2002, and that was done by Sony. And again, it was it was licensing out. It wasn't until it wasn't until later on when Marvel was like, wait a minute, we should just do our own studio. That you know that they kind of wised up and and were like, hey, you know what, we we can do this on our own. Um, I mean, you know, for every X-Men and Spider-Man movie, though, you also get a Hulk movie, you get a Fantastic Four movie. Uh, you know, they're very careful about their brand, but uh, but yeah, they do owe a lot to Fox and and Sam made a really good point so i'm excited i'm excited to see x-men and not only not only am i excited to see x-men back in terms of what can happen for the movies but i'm an x-men comic fan and i've tried reading it and it's just awful like the books have been just awful i think i picked up the recent x-men run last year with like psylocke all these like extemp you know extraneous characters who aren't appearing in the movies they they kind of like put them they put psylocke in the forefront because they knew she was going to be like the featured x-man in x-men apocalypse but then they had like Sabretooth and magneto and it's like they're telling the same story over and over again it's like oh this hate group hates mutants and Oh, and they're trying to exterminate mutants, and, and it was just like it was like so dull. But to read what they're gonna do with the new X Men franchise and the new X Men, not franchise, the new X Men books, you know, giving a little nod to the past, having an actual set teams, I think both of those, you know, both of that to me makes it more exciting and sounds more interesting. And even Mark Guggenheim is like, no, we're not gonna do. You know, he's bringing back the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Hopefully, it's you know, it's it's not as. Um, you know, typical, but he says we're going to do things that, you know, aren't just the same old story, you know, which I hope they do. I hope they do. Honestly, Magneto doesn't need to be anywhere near an X-Men book. I know he's going to be leading one of the teams, but he doesn't need to be anywhere near this. Like Magneto to me, you know, Grant Morrison's run in the mid 2000s, like took Magneto, I think, as far as you're going to get it um, in terms of getting it right, having him come in as Zorn. And then and then you didn't know he was Zorn. And then he surprised everybody, um, you know, having him kind of leading Genosha and then getting attacked by the Sentinels you thought he was dead but he was really Zorn the whole time to me that's like that's your pinnacle of Magneto that's it like I don't I don't need to see Magneto back in the comics again but again I'm excited for that I'm excited all right we are going to do what we do every week we go spinning the racks uh talking to you about the latest comic book news and obviously the big news was the X-Men blue and gold and we kind of you know definitely talked about that a lot and what the impact's going to be and where in humans are going to go but we're going, to, we're going to turn to a different universe real quick. We're going to talk about Archie. Um, it gets a little weird, actually. Uh, Newsarama was reporting um, Archie debuts a sneak peek, and it very Twin Peaks-ish. Very Twin Peaks-ish. I'm going to tell you right now. So we're going to have someone from Archie on in, an, in the next couple weeks that from the Archie comics. Um, what Archie's doing as a comic book imprint is like amazing like if, if anybody's a fan of the show we talk about this kind of stuff all the time we talked about it when invincible iron man was like we're going to replace iron man with a 15 year old black teenager you know black female teenager because we're we're, we're all about diversity or we're gonna you know swap out mary jane and make her you know a latino character instead because you know we want diversity and we want to force diversity and kind of cram it in and this and that archie comics actually um is doing everything right. They have diverse characters. They're just they keep introducing new characters. Uh, they had the first like not the first gay character because gay characters have been there around for a while. But they made a big deal about it. But it wasn't that they turned Jughead gay. It wasn't that they turned Reggie gay. They created contemporary new characters. And and they've basically now been molding and sculpting Archie and Jughead. Well, not just Jughead, but the entire cast to kind of like fit the times. Um, I believe uh, Mark Wade was a writer on there as well, too. And, you know, just doing contemporary stories. So taking these like old fashioned characters. I mean, they look, they are. They're old fashioned characters. They're, you know, girl next door versus girl your dreams. 
you know, Archie's kind of stuck in the middle. He's a good old, you know, that's, look, it's gone now. And, and they've kind of updated it. And it seems like with the TV series now, it seems like the TV series now is also kind of leaning toward that where, you know, we're going to we're going to do things a little different. It's not going to be, you know, this 1950s Archie. We're going to do something kind of cool. So um, if Newsarama is comparing it Archie to Twin Peaks, you know, that's going to that's a cool thing for me. That's a cool thing. I'd like to see it. If it's a, if if it's just, a, you know, look, if it's just setting a tone and it's not going to do that. Well, I mean, at least it'll get me it'll get me seated. Uh, you know, it'll get me watching. So kudos to Archie. All right. We're going to talk some Walking Dead now. Jeffrey Dean Morgan confirms Walking Dead Season 8 for Negan. I know I'll be on board for Season 8, Morgan said on the Howard Stern Show. We finished Season 7 a week ago. Uh, as for the immediate future, expect more Negan. After a brief two-week absence from the show, Morgan's Negan will be a big part of the next two episodes, which are the final two of 2016, leading into the mid-season break. The next two, I'm really big in. I'm effing heavy in those is what Jeffrey Dean Morgan said. I don't know how much more heavy you can get. Um, Got to be honest with you, though, and we, we look, we, we go on to our SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Secrets of the Sire. Go check out some of our past episodes. Um, we talked about Walking Dead. We talked about that brutal, brutal opening. Extremely well done. You know, we're not knocking the execution. We are not knocking it at all. But I got to be honest with you, it has stopped becoming must-see TV for me. Um, what's my Sunday night show I can't miss right now? Westworld. Got to see it. I mean, and Sam, I got Sam watching it. Now we're talking about the big revelation that just happened in Westworld this past week. We're not going to spoil anything. Um, that's the show I got to watch. Walking Dead. Now, is Walking Dead just a casualty of being on for seven seasons? Maybe. But at the same time, that that opening episode with with uh, with Negan was just so brutal. Like, I just I, I almost need to just be away from Walking Dead for a little while. Um, I, you know, about two two or three episodes in uh, to the season and and and. Uh, I'll watch the full season. I like Ezekiel. I like the introduction of that. I like how it. I do like how it's kind of turned into like a Sopranos-ish kind of thing, where you you have basically different families now, kind of running things. There's turf wars. There's it, it feels more gangsterish to me, which is kind of cool because it look you do have to cons you know consistently transform what you're doing. I mean, there's no question about it. If you continually put out the same show, um, you know. Which they, which they are doing in a way, right? I mean, they, they kind of did this once before with the governor in season three and season four where, you know, they're trying to make it. This other group is trying to make it. The other, the other group doesn't like the other group. They all fight and then the zombies end up killing everyone and you have to kind of keep, you basically have to just get on the road again and find something new. Um, that's going to grow stale. Um, this, I like the sense that these communities that they're part of, Alexandria uh, and the Hilltop and all this other stuff and Ezekiel's uh, realm, you know, it, it seems like they're a fixed community now. It seems like they're adjusting to the uh, to the apocalypse in the sense. And now we're really getting into the human beings, which has, you know, strips away all law and all decency. And now it's just, you know, bare bones. So I appreciate what they're doing. I still need a little break. So and, and Negan's just <sighs> I just I don't know. I don't know. This is articulate. It's good radio right here. It's good radio where I can't tell you what it is. Sean Batewell, Yankees is written backwards on your hat. No, it's not technically. It's not technically. It's actually written correctly, but it's a reflection of the character, Sean, uh, of the camera, the camera. This is, uh, this is me just stalling. Hey, when we come back next week, uh, we're going to welcome Jason Powell, author of the definitive Chris Claremont book. Um, he's going to break down his epic 18-year run, which is awesome because now we're going back to X-Men Blue and X-Men Gold, which is what we kind of talked about today. And um, I know he knows. 
He goes, I know, I know it's not written there. Oh, I know. Uh, but yeah, we're going to welcome Jason Powell, author of the definitive Chris Claremont book. We want to welcome and thank uh, David Silver for, for joining us, talking about dinosaurs and action figures. Awesome stuff. I want to thank all the people that chimed in today on Facebook. Sean, I love you. Jody, uh, congratulations on the new baby. Sherry, it's good to hear Good to see you. Randy Hogan, Jack, I think I, I think I covered it. Marcus Perry joined for a little while. We love him too. A spot of Premier Stark, we love you. We love Fika Leone. Yeah, we love Fig Leone. We we love his his brand of of off color humor. But and Dan T. Lawson, and I'm sure, and Hockey Girl. I hope you join us next week as well too. This has been Secrets of the Sire. Catch us every week, 8 p.m. Eastern. TalkingAlternative.com. <laughs> You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hello, I'm JC. I'm Joan. And And welcome welcome to to 21st Century Entrepreneur. We bring education, insight, knowledge, awareness, trouble, craziness, and fun. For you, the entrepreneur who's looking to build your business. And your community. Listen every Friday from noon to 1 Eastern on talkradio.nyc. And you can tweet us at 21st CE Radio or Talk Alternative. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to secretsofthesire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Hi, this is Rob Kay. And I'm Callie Alpert. And we're hosts of The Rob and Callie Show. Are you looking for a show that talks about real stuff, like life, love, the pursuit of being yourself? Then you have come to the right place because we cover topics ranging from chivalry to gratitude to your relationship with money and everything in between. So listen to us on The Rob and Callie Show, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.myc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 